Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Tonight on Huckabee, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Peter Antico exposes theft from the middle class. Legendary comedian Rich Little. And the Music City Connection performs. Well, things look a little different and they sound a little different tonight. And there is a reason. We had snow in Nashville. And you know something? Southerners don't handle snow very well. So we have no audience because the parking lot here is a solid sheet of ice. We could have done ice skating, but we couldn't find anybody in this entire system who knew how to do that. So anyway, we don't have a studio audience and we're disappointed by cause of that, but we're gonna have a great show. I promise it's not one you will want to miss. Now, in addition to the fact that our show is a little different, life at my house is a lot different as a result of the twoest new members of the Huckabee family. I wanna introduce you to Gumbo and Bandit, two new puppies that my wife and I got just this past week. And these dogs are changing our lives. Let me explain. When people our age get little bitty puppies, it's kind of like Abraham and Sarah having <laughs> twins. And that's what we're dealing with right now, but we are having the time of our lives with these new pups. Well, Happy New Year and welcome to our second show of 2022, much different than we had anticipated. But I got to tell you, we got an amazing lineup tonight and there's not one segment that you dare to miss. Frankly, we try really hard to make every show the best we've ever done. We do fresh content shows every single week, 52 weeks a year even if we have to pre-tape some during holidays to make sure that we bring our bread out of the oven piping hot, fresh with flavor. Because we work hard to be your favorite show and to give you many reasons to watch us live or DVR if you can't watch live. Now, let's change the subject a little bit because the National College Football Championship is coming up this Monday and it's gonna feature an all SEC matchup between Georgia and Alabama. It's simply another reminder that in the South, football is not a sporting event. It's a religious experience. Georgia got the big game by defeating Michigan 34 to 11 in the Orange Bowl in Miami. And I mean, Georgia pretty much recreated the old soft drink, Orange Crush, by dominating Michigan throughout the game. The only time Georgia lost the entire year was to Alabama on December the 4th. And now these two SEC powerhouses are going to meet for the national championship. All right, let me be honest. I'd rather talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks who under beloved new coach Sam Pittman took the Hogs to a better than expected 9-4 winning season capped off 
by a dominating 24-10 victory over Penn State. But back to the Crimson Tide of Alabama. I read this week what may be the dumbest sports column I've ever seen, written by some guy named Mac Engel, a writer at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He bemoans the fact that Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide of Alabama have dominated college football for a decade. Uh, it's true, Saban is going for his eighth national championship. He's already got six at Alabama, and he had one from his days at LSU. Love him or hate him, the guy knows how to recruit the top talent in the nation, and he knows how to coach him to either winning or getting close to winning the national college championship. Now, this sports writer, Mac Engel, while acknowledging that the purpose of sports is to actually win, proceeds in his column to whine like a six-year-old girl who didn't get invited to a birthday party because Alabama has become the Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Selena Williams, Simone Biles, and Tom Brady all rolled into one college football team. Kind of sounds like the writer has forgotten that sports is a contest. And there's a winner, and there's a loser. In real sports, just like in the rest of the real world, everyone does not get a trophy. Hey, there are times in my life when I would love to have gotten a trophy just for showing up. But that's not how life works, because great rewards go to those who take great risk. And some people are just really good at what they do. We shouldn't take from the success of the champion he or she becomes the standard of excellence, and we should encourage all to strive for such a level of achievement. Quite frankly, we need people, whether it's in politics, business, science, math, engineering, the arts, and in sports, who create a new standard of performance and perfection. Now, I'd love it if next season Arkansas beats Alabama and everyone else. But I don't want it to be because Alabama was told, just don't play so well next year and let the other teams win. Because, see, I hope Alabama plays at the top of their game. But I also hope that there are teams who want it more and work even harder to get it. Because that is how greatness is achieved. And it's true for someone who wants to be a president, CEO of a company, a doctor, a mechanic, a welder, a teacher, or an athlete. Don't whine because Alabama is so good. Work to be better than they are and make people say, boy, those guys are even better than Nick Saban and Alabama. It's going to be lonely at the top, but the view from there sure beats being in the pile at the bottom. I've seen a few things from the top, and I've seen a lot of things from the bottom of the pile. And being at the bottom of the pile shouldn't make us want to bring everyone at the top down to the pile, but it ought to make us want to work even harder to get out of the pile and up to the top. So quit whining, start working, and you might start winning. But whining never results in winning. And no one, and I mean no one, wants to hang out with a whiner. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of the most controversial members of the current Congress. She just got permanently banned from Twitter, as well as being suspended from Facebook because the social media giants 
don't seem to appreciate her quoting the CDC. They said that by quoting the CDC, she was spreading misinformation. Think about that. She's calling on every Republican to dump Twitter and other social media platforms in order to teach big tech a lesson for trampling free speech. Please welcome to the show from the great state of Georgia, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Congresswoman, it's such a pleasure to have you here. I, I gotta just start with, I don't think they like you very much in Washington, do they? Uh, I certainly have felt that way since I got there uh, just a year ago. It's It's been pretty amazing. I, I think I'm probably the most attacked member of Congress in United States history. And uh, But it's the kind of town that it is. If you're sincere and you, you really want to protect the Constitution and our freedoms and you just don't join the swamp, well, you find out that it can be not a very friendly town. You know, it's uh, maybe to your credit that while they don't like you in D.C., they sure seem to like you down in Georgia in the district that you represent. So how is it that you balance this uh, sort of animosity that you get from the media, who's always jumping all over you, and yet the uh, support and appreciation you get from your district? Well, it, you know, it's what's important to me. I, I don't get my value from what the press has to say about me. And my value doesn't come from Washington, D.C. My value comes from uh, who I know I am. Uh, through God's eyes and my family, my husband, my children, and my friends that I've had my entire life. And I'm so grateful for my constituents here in Georgia 14. I have a wonderful district and their support is absolutely amazing. And they know I'm fighting for them and they know that I have their back. And, and so I'm so grateful that they have my back as well. This week, you got thrown off of Twitter as in permanently banned. And they said, you can't come back. Uh, you joined the ranks of former President Donald Trump. Uh, I, I find it amazing. You're an elected sitting member of the United States House of Representatives. You and former President Trump are banned from Twitter, but the Ayatollah of Iran is able to have a Twitter account. How do you feel about that? Well, yes, sir. I think it's very concerning. As a matter of fact, I think it's terrifying. I see it as a, an attack, really. If you look at it, Twitter is a private company. Um, well, they're a public company, actually. People own shares of Twitter. And Twitter has declared itself basically the god of information and misinformation. And they kicked me, permanently banned me off of their platform for quoting statistics off of the CDC.gov website with the VAERS system about the reports, uh, self-reporting system um, having to do with the COVID vaccines and deaths which I find concerning. We have a president in the White House who is forcing vaccine mandates, which I am completely against. I think that anyone can have the vaccine if they want it, but it should be a choice and no one should lose their job or be discriminated against for that. But we have these mandates coming from the president and then Twitter enforcing what type of political speech is allowed and then determining what is true and what's not true. I think this is an attack. And the reason why I call it an attack is because I was elected to serve in Congress and no one elected Twitter. Well, that's a good point to make. And I, I find it just amazing that Twitter says you can't quote the government agency that's supposed to be administering the science when it comes to COVID. You quoted directly from their website and that's what was labeled misinformation. Yes, that's right. I even put the picture uh, of the graph with the exact numbers. I actually took a screenshot on my phone 
um, from their website with the graph, and they still they still said that was COVID misinformation, which is absolutely appalling. It, it's like, well, what if information is true then? I mean, here we have, um, you know, people on the news uh, telling us that, oh, if you get your vaccine, you will not catch COVID. The president has said that. But we've seen over time that that's not really true. And I firmly believe if people are reporting a lot of deaths, this is something that we should be investigating. I think that's the responsibility of our government, especially if our government is mandating that people have to be vaccinated. So I've been standing up against these mandates. Um, I find them completely unconstitutional. I think it's tragic that the healthcare workers that work on the front lines saving lives have been fired from their jobs. And now we have shortages in the hospital when those people have natural immunity, which is, is very good. I think we have to stand up against this, and I'm asking everyone to leave Twitter. I think when Twitter uh, has declared itself uh, more of an authority than our government, then they're completely out of control, and our government hasn't done anything about Section 230, and I don't see anything happening anytime soon with Nancy Pelosi running uh, the House of Representatives. So that's why I'm asking everyone to leave, because if you're getting served bad food in a restaurant, you should get up and go somewhere else where you get better food and better treatment. I think a lot of Americans would agree with that wholeheartedly. And uh, I, I want to get into that more when we come back from the break. And I, I especially want to discuss how misinformation from the left seems to be okay. Uh, but actual information from anyone who is conservative gets them in real trouble. So we're going to continue this conversation right after the break. Don't go away. and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. We are back with Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman from the state of Georgia. We've been talking about the fact she's been banned from Twitter this week because of the unacceptable act of sharing inconvenient data from the CDC. I don't think that's going to stop her from speaking her mind. We've kind of come to know that about her. But, of course, it also means there are more opportunities for her opponents to misrepresent her positions. Uh, Congresswoman, welcome back. We are so glad that you uh, were willing to stick around. What are some of the things that you have personally experienced that are most outrageous, things the press has said about you and, and have attacked you for? Because I know there are quite a few. Oh, wow. Gosh, that's, a, that's quite a list. Well... It's weekly. Um, every single week, it's something new. But earlier this year, there were some very outrageous things that they had said about me, um, quoting me, saying that I had said things that I had never said, uh, uh, terrible of attacks, uh, especially about silly things about something called Jewish space lasers. That was a term I had never used in my life. But someone wrote an article and then they copied it and pasted it and put it all across the media. I, that really hurt my feelings because um, I'm a Christian and I would never say anything against any group of people, uh, especially Israel. I would never do that. And, you know, or any kind of race. And then there were other things like some of my colleagues, my Democrat colleagues told lies about me. Cori Bush from Missouri said that I attacked her in the hallway when indeed I, I didn't. As a matter of fact, I had it on Facebook Live that she was the one that attacked me 
and was screaming at me in the tunnel uh, under the Capitol. And I had to put that video out to prove it, but they didn't retract their stories. There's been story after story. They've created this character of me that they want to sell every single day and night on their networks that is not true. And it's been very unfair. And it's basically impossible as, as a public figure to fight back against it. Because when you become a public figure, as you know, I'm sure you lose a lot of rights. I was even sued uh, by a by a pack, a leftist pack called Midas Touch, because I blocked them on my personal Twitter account, the one that I got permanently banned on. But I had blocked them because they had been uh, saying such nasty things to me on Twitter. And as a woman, uh, you know, and a mom and a wife, I think I should have the right to block people that I feel threatened by. But they sued me, and so I, I didn't win that battle because I'm a public figure. So you see, if you're a conservative woman, if you're unapologetic, if you're pro-life, and and I believe in life completely, I'm completely against abortion and want to see it end. If you defend our freedoms and stand up to the powers in Washington and you don't join the clubs that exist there, then you become the most hated person in Washington and the entire establishment, the corporate media will come after you. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm very grounded in who I am and I believe in this fight and I'm so grateful to talk to regular people all the time and I, I know what's important. That's why I continue. You, you seem to have a real equilibrium about you. I, I've never seen you when you look flustered or when you look scared or when you seem to be intimidated by the things that were being thrown at you. And I think it's one of the reasons that you have become a real threat to some of the people on the far left. Let's discuss what has been a big story this week. Uh, The Democrats have jumped all over January 6th, that it was just a horrific event. Uh, Kamala Harris said it was as bad as Pearl Harbor, the Civil War, um, 9-11. I mean, this is crazy talk. The only person who died at the Capitol that day was Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran who was unarmed and she was shot by a Capitol police officer for reasons we've never really understood. And, uh, you know, there have been these lies told that uh, there was an armed insurrection. Congresswoman, nobody's been charged with an insurrection or terrorism. There was no act of of insurrection that day. It was a protest, uh, admittedly, that got out of hand. How, How do we respond to this nonsense? Well, we have to stand up against the lies, and thank you for pointing that out. It, it is, it's been unbelievable to me. That was my fourth day on the job, and mm. I couldn't believe it when it happened. I was shocked. I've never been in any kind of political violence. I've never been involved in violence, period. And, you know, there's been a lot of stories come out, and the January 6th committee has a narrative they want to tell. They want to say it was an insurrection, that President Trump planned it with me and other members of Congress and outside organizers. And this is absolute falsehood. There's a lot that needs to be discovered about January 6th. Um, you know, we need those videos released, 14,000 hours or more of videos released that American taxpayers pay for and deserve to see the truth. We also have questions of who is Ray Epps? Who was the man up on the scaffolding commanding people to go into the Capitol? Who were these other uh, bad actors that were cutting down the fencing and preparing uh, the way for, for to t- send people into the Capitol? There were certainly people there that seemed to have a plan, but it had nothing to do with President Trump or myself or any Republican 
or any any type of person that had gotten the rally permit in their name. Uh, but this isn't what the Democrats want. They want a story that they can sell to the public so that they can affect the elections in 2022. And at the same time, they're pushing legislation that would really destroy our election integrity and take away voter ID. Congresswoman, we've only got 30 seconds, so I've got to ask a question. I hope we can get it in quickly. And that's you went to see some of the people that have been held uh, in custody since the January 6th riots. You found the conditions they were in deplorable. You had to force your way in to see them. Yes, sir. And thank you for bringing that up. And I'd love to come back and talk with you and your audience about that. Green.house.gov. Green has an E on the end. The jail report is there. Anyone can read it. It's it's very alarming. But these people are truly being held and treated like political prisoners. We need to pray for them and put pressure uh, on the Department of Justice and the prisons they're being held in that they need to be treated equally and due process rights should be upheld. Good reason for you to come back when there's not snow and ice all over the roads and we could get you here to our studio. Thank you so much for joining us. What a pleasure to visit with you. And I just want to remind our audience that if you want to learn more about the Congresswoman and what's on her mind, here's how to do it. Go to Huckabee.tv. There you will find links to her website and the social media pages where she hasn't been banned. And there's still some of those. Well, somehow Keith Bilbrey has not been banned from the show, which is amazing. At least not yet. So he's going to tell you what we have coming up next. Coming up, legendary comedian Rich Little. Then share a laugh with Mike's In Case You Missed It news stories on Huckabee. Join Mike's guest next week, comedian David Pendleton and music group High Valley. And welcome back. Rich Little has made more appearances on our show than just about any other guest. And I sure hope he keeps coming because we love the guy. With Rich Little, you get every celebrity on earth for just one paycheck. He has entertained millions of people for decades on TV and concert and in Las Vegas. Would you please welcome back the man of a thousand voices, Rich Little. Yeah. Yeah. Where Thank you. This is probably the smallest crowd of thousands you've ever played to. <laughs> I, I've worked to crowds this size before. <laughs> At the Tropicana, yeah. Well, the good thing is you got me and Keith. Uh, well, it's, it's good to be back on your show. I got a lot of comments the last time I was on. It was amazing. Uh, the people that watch the show and come up to me and say how much they enjoy it. It's well, terrific. we enjoy having you here. When you were here the last time... Um, you broke us up with uh, an impression of our current president, Joe Biden. Yeah. Uh, I know you remember doing that. He does not remember that you did that. But <laughs> oh. if, if you would like to just share with us, because, I mean, now he's been in office for a full year. Well, I've been working on the impression, and uh, uh, he's written me a lot of great material. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's, it goes over extremely well. Even some of the liberals are laughing. <laughs> They don't understand it, but they're laughing. You know? <laughs> would you like me to do it again? Well, of course I would. All right. All right. Okay. Joe Biden. All right. <laughs> oh. 
Is my mask on? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. You chumps out there. My name is, um, uh, my name is, um, uh, <laughs> Joe Biden. Now, about my health, don't believe everything you hear. I am in good health. Ask my doctor, Dr. Kevorkian. <laughs> Another thing, President Harris and I are working hard for you to make this country great. We are doing the work of three people, Larry, Curley, and Moe. <laughs> All right, we're now gonna have a, test a press conference. <laughs> Uh, Boy, that relaxium sure do works, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I love it. <laughs> All right, I'll take your questions. <laughs> oh, Rich, you know, the only thing that disappoints oh, me wow. is I wish we had the full audience here because they'd be laughing as hard as Keith and me. Oh, that was awesome. Well, it, it, as I say, it get, it's getting a good reaction because there's so much with, uh, with Joe Biden. I mean, there's so many things you can make fun of, you know? And uh, when things go well for somebody, you, you know, it's fine. But with, with Biden and, say, with Nixon, I, the, the, a lot of great material because, you know, things weren't going well, and that's when it becomes funny. But you have been an equal opportunity, um, I guess, uh, Impressionists going after Democrats, Republicans. Yeah, it's never been that you've only picked no. out certain people. No, like some I wish of these I could get you down. Oh no, don't do that. I'm, I'm dying. To you know that. something? I but, like the beard, though. I do really you? like the beard. I think I, I may think just you look keep very it. distinguished with the beard. And if you don't mind me saying, yes, you look a little like the captain of the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> before, well, I before hope I don't have the same fate he does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, before it went down. <laughs> but his, his his name was. Edward John Smith. Did you know that? I did not know that. And he, he was the first impression I ever did, the captain of the Titanic. No kidding. And I can still do it after all these years. I want to see it. All right, the captain of the Titanic. <laughs> attention, attention. This is your captain speaking. There is no call for alarm. Do not panic. We are just stopping for ice. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I love it. Was that uh, him? That, that is absolutely him. Yeah. Now, what are your favorite people who loved you, President Reagan? Well, President Reagan was great because he had such a great sense of humor. And, um, he, uh, you know, I, I'm, every time I would go to the White House, I'd have to tell him a joke, you know? <laughs> He loved, he loved jokes, and if they were corny, he even liked them better, you know? <laughs> but um, he had a great sense of humor, and it was like talking to a lovable grandfather. You know, you never thought of him as a president. He was just a great older man and just charming and funny and, uh, 
and a very, very nice man. So if, nice. if I ask President Reagan, yes, with all the unrest in the Middle East, would you be willing to send jets to Israel? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> what the heck would they do with a bunch of football players? <laughs> no, I think that I think the Jets should stay in New York and, <laughs> and play hockey. <laughs> what, a, what a dumb question that was. Well, I, I've got one for President Nixon, if you don't mind. Um, you know, President Nixon, there is plenty of oil in Alaska. So why don't we drill for that? Very simple. Because all the dipsticks are in Washington. <laughs> you know the old saying, Governor? You can lead a politician to Congress, but you can't make him think. <laughs> <laughs> Did Nixon like your impressions of him? <laughs> I'm having a jowl movement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> I once did Nixon in front of him, and this is true. This was years ago when I first came down from Canada to the U.S., right? And I was invited to a garden party in San Clemente. <laughs> and I ended up doing Nixon in front of him. He didn't know who I was doing. <laughs> he really didn't, you know? I'm doing this whole routine, and he turned to his wife, Pat, and said, why is this young man speaking in this strange voice? <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I did him quite well that afternoon, because when I left the party, Pat went with me. Oh, wait, yep. Sure sign. Not true. Not you know, uh, President from my home state, President Clinton, I, I, let me pose a question to President Clinton. Mr. President, what are you going to do for the little man in America? Oh, very simple. Get him a little woman. <laughs> <laughs> Women are like elephants to me. <laughs> I like to look at them, but I wouldn't want to own one. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and... President Bush, George H. W. Bush. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> good, good, good. What, what, what's the question? Well, President Bush, do you think that the war on poverty is finally over? Yes, and the poor lost. <laughs> Those poor suckers never had a chance. <laughs> they should have quit when they were ahead. <laughs> And they didn't, and we knew this. And when we showed up to see them, they weren't there, and we weren't there either. And we made a path the next time, we're not gonna go at all. And we didn't. Rich, there's no one we love having Ooh. more than having you here. And to follow Rich on social media, to get copies of his hilarious CDs and DVDs, plus his autobiography, just go to Huckabee.tv. We have direct links to all of the information and let you connect with Rich Little. Now, Rich, if you'd stay with us during the break, we want to keep you here because we've got a special feature that uh, Keith and I will be participating, and we want you to join us for okay. this uh, moment. Great. So, Love to. Keith, I'd like for you to do your very best Keith Bilbrey impression and tell us what's coming up next. Oh, I, I hate to follow that act. Next, laugh along news stories on In Case You Missed It. Then film director Peter Antico exposes global elites. Stay with Huckabee.
And welcome back. Now, in case you haven't heard, the Huckabee Show now has its own merchandise store. I hope you'll go and get your very own made in the USA, all 100% made in the USA. And we've got stuff like these lovely mugs, makes your coffee taste better, T-shirts, and of course, hats. All of the uh, wonderful products that you will find at the Huckabee Merchandise Store are made here in America. The proceeds do not go to me, unfortunately, nor do they go to Keith or Trey. They go to help fund more great TBN programs just like this one. Go yeah, to Huckabee. When you said lovely mugs, he, he was like. He thought I was he, talking yeah, about him. Jumped up. Oh, yeah, lovely mugs. I was not talking about Trey. But you can go to the Huckabee.tv website, click on the shop button, and get all of this wonderful Huckabee show swag. Well, from an apartment so small, the mice are humpback to television that you've got a taste to believe. We got all the news that is going to leave you a little confused on In Case You well, you know the old jokes about apartments that are so small that you put your key in the front door and break the window? Or maybe an apartment so small that you have to go outside to change your mind? Well, those are like the Taj Mahal compared to Axel Weber's place. He went viral with a TikTok video of his New York apartment that is less than 100 square feet. It's got a bunk bed, a one-burner stove, and a shared bathroom down the hall that's B-Y-O-T-P. By the way, that means bring your own toilet paper. <laughs> of course, being New York City, there is no toilet paper. <laughs> so Axel says it sure beats where he was living before, which was in a Volvo. Although the Volvo was, quite frankly, even roomier. Keith, I think you've got a story. Yes, I, this is hot off the press. I, I just got this. Uh, our friend, Dolly Parton, mm -hmm. you know, she taught us so many things through her songs. Well. She taught, uh, taught us that you don't want to have a hard candy Christmas. Well, two men in New Hampshire also have one. They always do. Ryan Wasson gave his brother Eric a box of hard candies just because he knew he'd hate it. You like hard candy? Yeah. Uh, not my favorite. Yeah, okay. Well, the next Christmas, Eric figured Ryan would remember, so he regifted it back. Of course. But he did remember and gave it back to Eric the next year. They've been passing it back and forth now since 1987. Oh. I'll bet that candy's really hard. But I bet it is. Oh, yeah. They find ways to make it a surprise. It's been delivered by a waiter, carolers, and pizza delivery guy even. It's been sewn inside a teddy bear, frozen in ice, and suspended in jello. Now, that was the one time that it actually had a, an edible taste. Mm. They plan to keep this going until they're both so old they actually like hard candy. But, you know, I'm not impressed. Really? I, I got a fruitcake that's been passed around for the last 200 years. I'll bet Matter that's fact, right. I've been called a fruitcake that's been passed around <laughs> for 200 years. All right, Rich Little. That's funny. Uh, you were nice enough to stay around with us. You probably wished you hadn't, but here you are. <laughs> You're stuck. So why don't you tell us this next in All right. case you missed it story? Did you know that Saudi Arabia has a beauty contest for camels. Didn't know. No. Me neither. Apparently, these camels are so pretty, you'd walk a mile for one of them. Mm. Oh. But one major pageant was ripped off by scandal when more than 40 camels were disqualified for cheating. Oh, no. My first thought was that if a camel won a beauty contest, of course, he cheated. Of course. 
Now, these camels were use, using banned beauty-enhancing substances, including hormones and Botox. Oh, no. Now we know why Saudi plastic surgeons call Wednesday hump day. Oh. I think the only substance... <laughs> Thank you. I think... <laughs> One hump or two. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only substance that could make a camel look attractive has got to be illegal. Yep. Still, we shouldn't be surprised. Now, there are entire TV careers built on the premise that with enough Botox, even a camel looks good. I think go. that's probably right. Well, I know the audience will be happy to hear this word, finally. Because finally, if you think most TV shows are completely tasteless, well, you're right. But a Japanese professor has the solution. He has invented a television that lets you taste things on TV by licking the screen. And you thought 34-year-old hard candy was something you didn't want to lick. <laughs> it's called Taste the TV, R-T-T-TV. And it creates a certain flavor. Multiple canisters spray combinations of flavors onto a hygienic sheet. It rolls over the screen, and you just lick that. Now, I don't think it's going to stay hygienic very long. I mean, imagine this on your cell phone, or maybe on the TV in the doctor's waiting room. Quite frankly, I predict that lickable TV screens are going to make CNN's ratings even worse. I really do. <laughs> wow. You know what would improve CNN's ratings? Kickable TV screens. There you go. I think that would work. Well, before you get sick of this segment and start kicking your screen, I'm going to end this thing. But always remember, we read the news. So you don't have to. Or even want to. <laughs> Coming up, filmmaker Peter Antico on global financial corruption. Plus, our very own Trey Corley of the Music City Connection performs. You're watching Huckabee. Wherever there are people who've lost their homes and their livelihoods, you can always count on Samaritan's Purse to respond to their needs in Jesus' name. They're able to do what they do because people like you join hands with them to support their work. If God lays it on your heart, I hope you'll go to Samaritan's Purse website or call them today and give a generous financial gift. Thanks, and God bless you for caring about others. Well, there's one issue that unites the left and the right. It's money. Liberals protest income inequality, and conservatives worry about billionaires and big government crushing the rights of the average Americans who are working harder and yet making less. But why is it that the super rich are getting richer and the rest of us fall behind? That question is addressed in the new documentary called The Paradigm of Money. Watch. We are as close to a middle-income revolution as we've ever been. Every unconsidered cost comes at a direct consequence. The ownership concentration keeps getting higher amongst that very few people at the very, very top. We have a name for it, we call it feudalism. They are the dealers. They create the drugs. Wall Street executives 
privatize all the gains and then socialize the losses. Tens of trillions of dollars are being extracted from the United States of America. And that's why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Please welcome the director and co-producer of The Paradigm of Money, Peter Antico. Peter, great to have you here. Uh, this film really does kind of put in perspective that the game is rigged. It, you know, since 1913, uh, the Federal Reserve Act, uh, which there's a great book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, which I recommend that people read, um, because uh, a lot of, of the Congress was out on you know, Christmas break when they enacted it. But since 1913, the Federal Reserve was supposed to um, mandate stable currencies uh, and stable interest rates. But since 1913 to 2021, the United States dollar has been depreciated 98%, and interest rates have been in between 1% and 21%. So at the, the job they've been doing, they really have failed miserably. Ron Paul has... Uh, spoken about this, wanting to audit them many, many times because there's a gross lack of transparency in regard to that organization. Well, when we think of capitalism, we think, okay, that's a good thing. Capitalism means that people can work and they can keep what they've worked for. But what you're saying in the film is that there's really been a gaming of capitalism and it's not been a pure form. What, what do you mean by that? Well, it's, it's a, take the GameStop or the meme stops that you've all heard about, the, the naked yeah. short selling. And... Well, you know, what happens is, is that uh, you can only short a company you know, by owning some of the shares. You have to borrow shares. If, if you can't borrow the shares, uh, it, that's illegal. It's called naked shorting. And it's really, it's counterfeiting shares. So what happened with GameStop is that they have a market maker called Citadel. The, the market maker actually executes the buys and sells. And then the company like Robinhood or Fidelity or Schwab those kinds of companies are the brokers and people go on their sites and they execute these companies by pushing the buttons on their computer or calling their broker. But what happened in the, in the field of GameStop is when uh, they would try to execute uh, buys or to sells, there's something called order flow. And order flow is where a company market makers pay for. So if Citadel is a market maker, they paid uh, Robinhood about $140 million to run and to take all the orders from GameStop. So if they know the buys, the sells, uh, the volume on a second-to-second basis, and the derivatives, which are the options, the shorts and the longs, they can front-run the market uh, with using their own money and make hundreds of millions of dollars. It's legalized, paid-for insider information. We have gone deep, deep into the water on that yep, one, Peter. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out and sort it all out. Yeah. Bottom line, because some of that was like, whoa. Um, why is it that some people at the top just keep getting richer and richer and then people in the middle seem to get nowhere? I think one of the biggest reasons has been the monetary policy. It, with these extra ultra-low interest rates, um, any, it acts like a, a inflation acts as theft. In other words, if you're living on a fixed income, and the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar goes down. And last year, it was down about 11%. So if you had $1,000 in the bank, you only had $890 worth of purchasing power if you left it in, in there for a year. So if someone has $100,000 in the bank and they're just leaving in a banking institution, they're, they're getting their money stolen by way of inflation. So these ultra-low uh, monetary policies, they, they create asset inflation because 
Um, you say the price of your house goes up. Uh, really, the purchasing power of the dollars that we use go down. And the more the Federal Reserve keeps printing money in these, with these bailouts because they increased the money supply in the last 16 months about 35%. Uh, and it's like if you had Rolex watches, for, for example, if you, if you flooded the market with Rolexes, then they wouldn't hold their price. The more money that you put in the supply in Austrian economics, um, the more you devalue currency. So if, if we're using money that's devalued and, and our wages don't go up to match that inflation, then the, 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 the price or the cost of living for people go up and the quality of life goes down. So, you know, if you want to create sound money, they used to have it when we had a goldback system in 71, but Nixon took us off then. And since then, it's been competitive currency devaluation and all currencies in the world have been devalued by printing money so they could have an export or a GDP to I other countries. I think what I'm going to have to do is watch the film yeah. to get the full impact, but it's going to be a fascinating opportunity that I hope our audience will take advantage of, the paradigm of money, the film, because uh, you'll be able to see what Peter's been talking about tonight in clear, simple, understandable ways, that there is a game and it's rigged, and it's why a lot of Americans are getting shut out of the opportunities. To find out more about how you can see the film, visit Huckabee.tv. You'll find a link not only to learn more about the new documentary, The Paradigm of Money, but you can see the trailer. More importantly, you can stream the entire film, and that's what we hope you do. Now, in keeping with the paradigm of our show, Keith Bilbrey is about to tell you what we've co coming up next, and boy, it's a doozy. Gotta love it. Next, Ray Corley and the Music City Connection perform a Rust F hit right here on Huckabee. Hope Loftus' latest single, Vision, features a duet with Grammy award-winning singer Russ Taff. Now, you can find out more about it at the new Huckabee.tv. Now, here to perform is Trey Corley in the Music City Connection, featuring Hope Loftus singing Vision. <laughs> 